and throughout the New Testament many terms and expressions of stoical origin are used, such as, for example, in him we live and move and have our being. This was the pantheism of the Stoics. The question may be asked, why was Stoicism not the salt which was to save the Roman society? Was it not sufficient? The answer is simple. It was too lofty for the masses of men. It only appealed to the high-minded, the real thinkers. Many of you may be familiar with the poem of Alfred Tennyson, which he called the Higher Pantheism. In it, he expresses the vast unity of the universe and man. In India, pantheism may be traced to about 1000 BC to Brahma in the Hindu religion. Brahma being the creator principle who, as a moving power and mind, enters into the substance and reality of all things. Brahma, according to the Hindu religion, is identified with the universe. He is the creative mind. According to the Stoics, there is a universal rational principle. The logos, or law, of this principle pervades all. In matter, this principle constitutes the very laws of change. God is to be found in reality, not apart from it. This is pantheism. Pantheism is closely identified with the philosophical concept of monism, that there is a single or all-inclusive cause of reality. This cause is in all things. It is never separate. There is no separation such as God and the world, but rather the universal divine principle expressing itself in the various ways by which we know reality. Those who oppose pantheism feel that it is identified with atheism. This is erroneous. This possibly may be attributed to the idea that pantheism is said to obliterate the personality of God. It is difficult for the average person to embrace an abstract reality. He finds it hard to intimately relate himself to a mind or a moving principle as an underlying divine factor. Man is conscious of his weaknesses. In adversity, he wants to believe that he can put dependence upon a transcendental power which will forgive and protect him. Yet this concept is adhered to. Personal self-mastership is not likely to be realized. In the pantheistic concept, God is looked upon as intelligence with creative power constituting the essence of all things. Everything, a grain of sand, a flower, the sea, a star, are but parts of the universal light of the cosmic divinity. God thus is not remote, but the consciousness in living things, the phenomena of matter as well. In the writings of the Upanishads, there is this most appropriate reference to the universal pantheistic nature of God. As the mighty air everywhere is rooted in space, so all things are in me. In referring to the Supreme Mind as including mortal or human intelligence, one must not think of such as being a collection of individual intelligences. The Supreme Intelligence does not encompass or enclose the minds of human beings as we would put objects into a box. 
Rather, the minds of human beings are a function, a manifestation of the supreme intelligence. There is the order of the intelligence of the universal mind working through the cosmos. It is because of this that mystics contend that the essence of mind and human beings is indestructible. One cannot destroy the probability of future development of mind and living organisms unless he destroys the universal consciousness of which they consist, and that is an impossibility. Man cannot destroy universal reality. The essence of soul is in all living things. Rather than say that man alone is a living soul, it is preferable to declare that man alone, so far as we can determine, has that self-consciousness which, for the sake of analogy, may constitute soul. Pantheism is defined as God in all and all in God, although there are some who believe that these are two separate concepts. When we declare that God is in all, we do not mean that any particular collection of things constitutes the universal mind. Rather, what is intended by the phrase is that divine principle and the forces related thereto are working as the laws of matter and also as immaterial influences which have to account for all that is. God, as a power, mind, or consciousness, is everywhere and manifests the same properties everywhere at all times, existing without beginning or end. In the pantheistic concept, nothing escapes being of the nature of God. No sum of things alone would equal the universal mind because this mind is also potential with that which is as yet without discernible nature or form. There is beauty in the concept of mystical pantheism. A flower is one of the manifold expressions of deity. Man is also an expression. The reality of man is a divine functioning in and of him. No one or a number of things constitutes the entirety of divinity. Recently, the imperator wrote that the consciousness of the divine mind, in fulfilling its being, results in man's perceiving a variety of phenomena the continuity of the whole as yet not realized by him. He in turn thinks of these phenomena as being separate and especially designed creations. This pantheistic conception puts God in all things. It makes the forces and energies which are discovered and utilized by science manifestations of a supreme impersonal consciousness and power. Science but discovers and uses this divine power. It reveals empirically how things come into existence, not by an individual fiat of God or as a result of a preconceived design, but as a direct result of his own nature. No matter how extensive the discoveries of science, regardless of, this, of the disclosures of the universe as a phenomenon of physical forces, there continues to transcend all this the oneness of the unity of the spectrum of energy which exists in the cosmic cause, the divine mind. The materialist will recognize no transcendent cause. The mystic conceives a monism or oneness of the universe. To him it is the cosmic, God. 
Physical phenomena, the forces of nature, are but the various expressions of a universal mind. The mind is an active force manifesting in all the forms which man perceives. The pantheistic position is that everything in reality, whether perceivable by man or not, is of God and, moreover, is in God. Each thing is but an expression of the omnipotence of his divine mind or essence. The pantheist has his sincere devotion to the magnitude of the universal essence. The consciousness of God functions in diverse ways. It manifests not only as the phenomena of the material world, but as the spiritual qualities of man's being. Though each thing is of God because his nature is in it, some things are vaster and more infinite expressions of this essence, and thus have greater importance to us as individuals. Such things are, for example, the consciousness of self and our realization of the oneness of all, the cosmic. The cosmic, in the pantheistic sense, is the whole essence of God, the entirety of his nature. Belief in pantheism does not make man any less reverent. God is as close to the pantheist as are those manifestations of God's nature which surround him. Man himself is one of the most elaborate realities of God. Man, therefore, is as close to God as he is to a full consciousness of himself. When, with reverence and devotion, we give thought to the infinite reality of God, we then unite ourselves with his infinite consciousness, the consciousness in man being God's consciousness expressed in man. The Rosicrucian is a mystical pantheist. He takes the stand that a greater consciousness of the universal essence of God, a more intimate realization of this divinity, can be had through an inverting of one's consciousness. When we meditate upon our inner nature and become in accord with it, we are then more contiguous to the whole nature of the divine essence and less confined by any single expression of it. Knowing in his consciousness that the universe is the garment of the infinite, the manifestation of the absolute, the mystic cannot help but hold sacred the idea that God functions in all things and is the very life-giving force fluctuating and radiating throughout everything that is. The pantheist conceives God as a first cause. To him, God does not transcend the world but is entirely eminent in it. He permeates the entire universe and pulsates through all things in it. To the pantheist, there is only one true reality, and that is God, the moving, intelligent, active cause of everything existing everywhere. What man experiences as reality or the particulars of the world, according to the pantheist, are but the variations of this incessantly active God-mind which is everywhere. The mystic does not isolate God, does not remove him from the world of material things, to the mystic, all laws expressed in any phenomenon, matter, energy, and the spiritual consciousness of man, is the mind of God. Natural law is but one attribute of an infinite number of attributes. Man is the greatest expression of this all-pervading mind of God because it is in man's form alone that God is aware of himself. 
When man is conscious of his own divine self, God then is conscious of his nature. God's self-consciousness is expanded, is increased to the extent that mankind realizes its own divine nature. To know God is to explore ourselves and nature, for God abounds within and about us. The more of life we understand, the greater our love for and unity with the infinite mind, God. Alexander Layton, in his field of philosophy, states that pantheism means the identification of God with the cosmos, that God is the essence or unity of the cosmos. He is wholly imminent, the one in all. The world is pervaded and penetrated by one universal reason and cause. The Stoics looked upon it as the permeating principle, as a fine, all-pervading, fiery medium of ether, a sublimized breath, in fact, the cosmical pneuma. From it, all the elements and all the cyclic transformations of the universe emanate. Reason is the germinating principle of all things, but in man it exists as self-conscious reason. It is the universal logos of which there is a spark in every man. Man seeks communion. In this communion, he comes to have a realization of his divinity. In the pantheistic concept, we exist as parts of the one God. All separate entities are parts of the single being of divinity. The beauty of the concept has appealed to poets as well as to philosophers. Indeed, this attitude is an expression of the deepest motives and philosophical reflection. It is truly mystical. We as Rosicrucians have this deep passion for the vision of the whole. We know that this world of ours is not just a collection of disorderly objects. This universe is one orderly whole. Wordsworth surely had pantheism in mind when he wrote that he had felt a presence that disturbs with the joy of elevated thoughts, a sublime sense of something deeply interfused whose dwelling is in the setting sun, in the mind of man, and in all things. In his book, The Sanctuary of Self, the imperator wrote, The true mystic, then, is very definitely a pantheist. To him, God is in everything, everywhere. Fathers and sorors, in accepting the concept of pantheism, we as Rosicrucians automatically give dignity to the living of life. For we are recognizing with understanding and realization that we are a part of the underlying reality of the universe, of the cosmos, the supreme divine mind of an infinite God.